Hello everybody, and welcome back to Operation History, where history is more than what you remember. I'm David, and I am joined today by two co-hosts, but before we get started with that, we just want to say, unfortunately Derek cannot join us today, um, but he says hello everyone, he hopes to return to us in next month's episode when we reveal that at the end. Um, all of our hosts have come together today um, to continue where our September episode has left off. September, we talked about our first con uh, content episode with the Mayflower in the Pilgrim Voyage of New England. Now, to inter introduce our host, Maria. Hello, everyone. And the person who's going to be staring the ship today, no pun intended, and <laughs> guide us through our conversation, Lauren. How's it going, Lauren? Hi, how are you? Ah, just another beautiful, sunny... Hot day in Rhode Island. As we're sitting in the dark. Yes. I agree. <laughs> but to be fair to him, that's how the weather was today. Yes, the weather was... I mean, you're right. Today wasn't bad. No, no it was actually kind of nice. It was unseasonably warm, I felt like. Yesterday was beautiful. Mm -hmm. but, but climate change is not a real thing. It's all a Russian hoax. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, Lauren, ready to kick us off? I'm so ready. Dive into it. Okay, so back in September, we were looking at the Mayflower Voyage. Um, if you guys haven't listened to that episode, it's not necessary um, to understand what's going on, but go listen to it. It's basically just about how um, the Pilgrims made the decision to come over to the New World, and we kind of left off. Uh, they survived the first winter. Um, but after they survive, one of the biggest things that people um, associate with the pilgrims or know about the pilgrims is the first Thanksgiving. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Thanksgiving. Um, I kind of am going to jump around in history a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk to you guys about the first Thanksgiving. Um, and then we're going to go into Sarah Hale, uh, who... Long story short, we'll get to it. Uh, basically bugged President Lincoln until it became a national holiday. And then I'm going to go into what is known as the National Day of Mourning, uh, which has been happening in the last 50 years down in Plymouth, Massachusetts. Like I said, we'll get into all of those in a little bit. But we're going to uh, time travel back to 1621 to the first Thanksgiving. Um, I'm just going to start with reading off the only account and reference that we know of this, um, well, not holiday. It wasn't a holiday back then. It was a harvest festival. They had Thanksgivings, as in giving thanks and feasting and praying and going to church and more praying and maybe playing games. Thanksgiving 1621 was not that. So I'm going to read our one paragraph that we know about this event. Um, it's from a little primary source called Mort's Relation. If anyone's interested in this time period, I really suggest looking into Mort's. It's much more easy to read than William Bradford's works. It's only a little thing. Probably composed by Governor William Bradford, um, maybe William Brewster maybe Edward Winslow. 
now that I say that out loud, I'm pretty sure it was Edward Winslow. <laughs> anyway, this is what we've got. <clears throat> our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling that so we might have, well, sorry, that so we might after have a special manna rejoice together after we had gathered the fruits of our labors. They four in one day killed as much fowl as with a little help aside, served the company almost a week, at which time amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest their greatest king, Massasoit, with some 90 men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted, and they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty. So it kind of sounds like Thanksgiving. They ate, they played. Um, that's pretty much it. Uh, but this is really uh, all we have. We know that they ate probably waterfowl, probably ducks and geese. At this point, they didn't really put turkey in the same category as fowl as seen in other primary sources. So probably not turkey. They had venison. They had deer. Probably had some sort of corn, not on the cob. Um, maybe they would have had cranberries, maybe blueberries, grapes, uh, walnuts, but it really wasn't as focused on all of the different kinds of food that we see as quintessential Thanksgiving, uh, turkey and pumpkin pie. Probably not. What did they do? They exercised their arms amongst other recreations. So they shot off their guns, probably showing off to the 90 or so uh, Wampanoag people who were under the leadership of Massasoit, also known as Usamequin. Massasoit is just another word for uh, great leader or sachem, kind of like the chief of the Wampanoag people. His name was Usamequin, which I believe means yellow feather. And just a little reminder, where they were eating their first Thanksgiving meal was on Wampanoag land. This was less than a year after the pilgrims landed in Plymouth. They were in what the Wampanoag people knew as Patuxet. This is really going to come in handy when we talk about the National Day of Mourning because Wampanoag people were at the first Thanksgiving and they're going to be at the 399th. Thanksgiving that's going to happen on Thursday. Also, a little fun fact, uh, 1622 and 1623, the pilgrims were eating at near starvation levels. So any kind of goodness of God so far from want that they once were was not happening shortly thereafter. And just another fun fact. <laughs> um... We see all these paintings of the first Thanksgiving, and it's all of these old white men with their arms stretched to God. Maybe there's two or three Native people. That was not the case. If we go back to Mort's relation, 
there was about 90 men um, coming with Massasoit to hang around with the uh, pilgrims. They probably brought their wives and maybe their children with them. After the diseases and illnesses of 1620 to 1621 over that winter, the pilgrims only had about 50 members. And about 25 of them were under the age of adulthood. So any images that you see of, you know, hundreds of pilgrims and a few Wampanoag people, it was probably the opposite. The Wampanoag people probably outnumbered the pilgrims at this event, probably two to one at the least. And pause for dramatic effect. Y'all still awake? I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay, next up. So we're going to jump forward in time to the 1850s. The pilgrims have plenty of descendants these days, but uh, William Brewster and William Bradford and Edward Winslow and all the rest, they are not around anymore. We're going to look at the woman, Sarah Hale, also known as the mother of Thanksgiving. Max, uh, she was from the New England area. She actually wrote the um, song, Mary Had a Little Lamb. In addition to that, she advocated for women's education. She lobbied to save Mount Vernon from being sold. And she raised money for the Bunker Hill Monument, which is in Boston. You can actually go and climb. Um, did you guys climb it when we were in Boston? That trip, uh, me, Ian, uh, who else? There are a couple others. I think maybe Cody. God's name I haven't said forever. Um, we all climbed up it. And we met a family up there. It was like a family of three. And like all of us, every one of us is out of breath. And I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not the most best in shape guy. I'm like average. Um, but those stairs really kicked my butt. But the view from up there is awesome. Uh, you can see everything. You see all the city. You can see all the, the water front. And it was nice. And they have nice little rest areas for you to sit down for about five to ten minutes before you have to start climbing down the stairs again. Uh, <laughs> which going down the stairs was a lot easier than going up because thank you gravity. Uh, but yeah, that was that was an awesome monument to climb, and I would do that again. The pictures you guys sent in the group chat looked absolutely beautiful, and like for the longest time, one of them was the background on my computer because. You could just see all of Boston and even out into the harbor and the hill. I think Crystal went up there with you guys, too, because I remember on the ground, yes. I think Derek was with me, and I remember Zach was with me. Yeah, I, I went up there, too, and I regretted it almost immediately. Yep. <laughs> it was so yep. hard. It, it was definitely a regret moment. Actually, funny you mentioned those pictures, because I still have all of them. Um, they actually... Oh. Just, I actually just uploaded them all to my Google Drive because they were taking up so much space. Because you know, I had the Holocaust memorial stuff from Boston in there. Mm -hmm. I had every picture from every major landmark still saved in my phone from when we did that trip in two thousand and 
18. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I go back. Once the world's back to normal, that was so much fun. That was. I was just about to say, that was a fun trip. Boston is always a fun time. There's so much historical and cultural stuff to do. It's For me, it's one of my favorite cities to visit because it's always a good time. And not only I that... Oh, I was going to just say, I love the solidarity of when you climb up a big tower like that and you're almost there and people coming down are like, you got this, you're so close. I just, it's right. so funny. Everyone's like, don't give up. And, like 299 steps or something stupid like that. Sorry, like, I, hell. Great. <laughs> it's like, I just want to die already. I oh. had I had done it previously. That's why I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm going to stay down here. Yeah, my girlfriend Jenna really wants to climb up there, and I'm like, okay. <laughs> as long as we don't walk three miles beforehand, I think we'll be okay. But We walked way more than three miles that day. Oh, I just mean one way. And then we climbed up that stupid thing. We got ice cream, which was amazing. And then we had to walk all the way back. Yeah, we walked out to Bunker Hill. That bridge, I, I'm up for almost anything, but that walking over that bridge on those grates, um, I think I saw my life flash before my eyes. For all of the out-of-town viewers, <laughs> um, <laughs> to get over to Charlestown, it's a graded bridge. But you yeah. would just walk over, and God bless anyone wearing heels, because oh, I'm wearing sneakers, and I'm like, can someone please hold my hand? <laughs> yeah, you could you could never wear anything but a flat shoe because it is it's grates. You're you're walking on grates and you can see all the way down. I don't don't understand how that's a pedestrian uh a pedestrian walkway because some of it has concrete and they're reinforced grates, but you're still there's you're still walking on grates even though they're reinforced. Along with that, though, I mean, it's also a great sense of where your fitness is because you're dodging all those cars with all that traffic, and then you <laughs> and then you have these steps. It's like this is nothing. This is anything. If you want to prepare for a marathon or just want to check your overall endurance, just go to Boston for a day. You'll find out real quick that you know walk the Freedom Trail the whole way. It's not right. a circle. <laughs> oh my God, that was. That was a good part of the trip, but that was so confusing at times. Like, oh, the line. wait, I guys, why? I, I think my Apple Watch that day told me we did like 1,600, or I did like 1,600 calories or so, something insane like that. Because I, I think I tripled my goal, my move goal, which by the time I got home, I was like, yeah, no kidding. I just remember the next day I had work. And on my break, I sat down and I felt it was like the best feeling in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember being on the bus, like on the bus ride home, getting in my car. I'm just sitting there and I was like, oh, this is so nice. This is so nice. I, never, I was never so happy we, we to were on all, a train. <laughs> yes. mm, we were all like dying and full of sweat because it was hot that day too. It was. Mm -hmm. And, and we... We did everything you could do that was either cheap or, or very cost efficient. If it's, we did it, man. If I'm it's free, it's for me. I'm a terrible uh, history person. What was the boat we went on? I don't remember. USS Constitution. Thank you. I wanted to say Blair, that, but I wasn't sure. But yeah, there you go. You're, you're not terrible. A terrible. You're not a terrible history person. I mean, Boston has so later. much. 
thing. Go ahead. So that's just not your thing. Well, yeah, it's not. <laughs> but not only that, Boston has so has so much history ingrained into it. It's not. It's just. It's a history. It's a history rich culture. I mean, most American politics are centered around it, or most American like ideas or identity is centered around Boston. Mm-hmm. So, in That's one shape or another. I really only know because I work at the other really popular ship that's in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to triangulate myself, but here we are. I mean, I think I think you reveal where you were at in one of the episodes. I'm not going to mention, but I think you were... First already- one. <laughs> First one. I was, was yeah, trying to... I was going to say, you triangulated yourself, but uh, if somebody... I somebody say hi. Could- I was gonna say somebody out there could still be like, I don't know where she works because I don't think you've ever like fully, fully committed to no. that, which I, which I understand. Say hi to me if you come figure it out. I'll <laughs> give you the one thing that my work sells. <laughs> um, it's not inappropriate for all the weirdos out there. It's very quaint and adorable. <laughs> it is. Uh, I'm gonna surprise you one day at work. I'm just gonna pop up and be like, "I drove all the way here." I would here. love that. I, I would lose my mind. I know you would. And then I'd be like, "Just," and then I would, then I would look at you and say, "Just kidding. I'm here for the for the gift." I'd be like, "Okay." I'd be like, "I don't care about you. Where's your boss? I've heard so much about how great she is." Yeah, right. I want <laughs> I want to say hi to your boss. It's so funny whenever I'm like. My history friends or whatever say hi. She's like, "Whoa!" He like nervous laughs, and I'm like, "No, I'm obsessed with you. It's okay." Hello to my boss, Bunker Hill Monument. Okay, so Sarah Hale helped raise money for the Bunker Monument and lobby to save Mount Vernon. She also wrote a book named Northwood: A Tale of New England. It actually, has an entire chapter dedicated to Thanksgiving that book i really i want to check it out i haven't read it um spoiler alert uh in addition to that she also wrote articles and editorials in uh local newspapers about how thanksgiving should be a national holiday she even wanted it to be the last uh thursday of uh, thanksgiving and one of her real main reasons for why thanksgiving was to ease uh civil war tensions she thought, you know, if everyone could just kind of like put down the guns for a day and just be thankful for what they have. Hmm. I don't know if she thought that that would end the war or just have people, you know, hang sounds like a, a bit. I was going to say, sounds like a prequel concept to our December episode. I know it does. Foreshadowing. Um, kind of worked by 1854 more than. 30 states and U.S. territories had Thanksgiving as a state holiday, not a federal holiday, but a state holiday. Um, ironically, in 1861 and 1862, Confederate President Jefferson Davis declared Thanksgiving following some victories for the South. Not to be upstaged, in April of 1862, Lincoln declared a Thanksgiving after 
Fort Henry and Shiloh. And again in 1863 after the Battle of Gettysburg. So this kind of goes back to the real meaning of what a Thanksgiving is. You're literally giving thanks. You're not just eating and watching football, you know? It's kind of evolved from there. Um, but after Gettysburg, Hale wrote directly to the president and said, make it a holiday. Within the week, Lincoln does. So he made it a national holiday. Um, either the very end of September or the very beginning of October, 1863. I'm sure there's an actual date out there, but from what I saw, I wasn't really sure. Because um, it was like in the like September 20s and within that she wrote her letter and then um, Lincoln within the week made Thanksgiving a national holiday, declaring it a day of Thanksgiving and praise. Yay, Thanksgiving's a holiday. But it's not so yay for a whole lot of people. Uh, think about, there's actually two major um, indigenous um, anti-Thanksgiving, um, I guess protest, maybe movement is a better word for it. One of them is called Unthanksgiving, and that happens on Alcatraz um, on the West Coast. But over here on the East Coast, it's known as the National Day of Mourning. This still happens and has been happening since 1970. So what really kicked this off is that a man named Wamsuna James, a Wampanoag person, he was asked to speak at the 350th anniversary of the Mayflower landing here in Plymouth. All is well and good. He agreed. He wrote a speech. But then the programmers of this commemoration asked to see his speech. And they thought it was too much. Um, they wanted it toned down. Uh, to quote, the reason is the theme of the anniversary celebration is brotherhood and anything inflammatory would have been out of place. So the, let's face it, white people wanted uh, James's speech rewritten, and James refused. On Thanksgiving of 1970, James instead met on Coles Hill in Plymouth with other Wampanoag people, and he read his speech. Um, yeah, it kind of turns into some issues later. Um, you know, stupid stuff of do they have a in the sorry the late 80s early 90s i didn't want to get into much of it um because i'm still unsure of it but basically they got in trouble because they didn't have a permit and they had to go to court they are now yeah they had to go to court because they were not permitted to protest so but, we know Oh, 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 the Thanksgiving parade that was happening wasn't permitted either. They were fine. So, I just want to mention, the only... So, I do know about some of this stuff. The only reason why I know this is because there's a certain controversial book out there um, that I'm not going to name drop um, in all of our fields that does talk about this towards the 
later parts of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does mention this, and it shocked me that. Well, I mean, I'm not shocked, right? I mean, it's the same thing going back to certain parts of history where there have been times where um, the establishment, I'll say, um, deny or wait on approving certain permits, even though our First Amendment right, and which extends to all people who live on this con- who live on this continent and live in the United States. It guarantees that it guarantees their right to assemble and speak their mind. However, when the government doesn't like it or the establishment doesn't like it, they'll shut that down by saying, "Oh, you have to pay for a permit or issuing a permit." So it's a, it's a yeah. it, it's a neat thing, but it's also a nice thing to keep in the back of the mind that they should have been given their rights because they are U.S. citizens and they have the right to speak their mind as the U.S. Constitution says they do. Uh, I have more stuff, but I'm not really getting into the court cases. I am not a Wampanoag person. I'm not an indigenous person. I'm a white chick. I'm Irish Catholic. Um, I don't want to claim or say anything that is incorrect, and I don't want to fuel the fire of by spreading anything ignorant I may not mean to be ignorant, but I don't want to put in other people's minds that something is true and have it be a whole issue that way. But if any indigenous people are listening and I am saying things that are wrong or anything you want to add, please email us. I would love to hear. With that side note, um, yeah, it's still a holiday, the National Day of Mourning. Um, it still happens in Plymouth on Coles Hill. If you ever go to Plymouth and you see Plymouth Rock and your back is to the ocean, uh, what you're looking at is Coles Hill. It has a big old statue of Massasoit. So they go there and they, every year they pray, they come together in remembrance of their past and current and future struggles. And they read the speech. Um, A quote from the United American Indians of New England, uh, Thanksgiving Day is a reminder of the genocide of millions of Native people, the theft of Native lands, and the relentless assault on Native culture. Participants in National Day of Mourning honor Native ancestors and the struggles of Native peoples to survive today. It is a day of remembrance and spiritual connection, as well as the protest of the racism and oppression which Native Americans continue to experience. They are going to be there this Thanksgiving. Uh, They meet at noon. So if anyone listening is in the Plymouth area, if you're indigenous or just, um, I guess, ally is, for lack of a better word, um, just don't interrupt if you're not indigenous. Um, It's not for you, but you are free to kind of walk by, I'm sure. Um, They tell you what you can and cannot film, take pictures of what you can and cannot uh, be part of. They are very welcoming. They're great. Uh, I know a lot of them. They're great people. Um, So if you're in the area, check it out. And I'm just going to actually um, give some quotes from Wamsutha James uh, from what is now known as the suppressed speech. So let's keep in mind that this was apparently inflammatory to the anniversary celebrating brotherhood, and peace. 
The pilgrims had hardly explored the shores of Cape Cod for four days before they had robbed the graves of my ancestors and stolen their corn and beans. Next quote. We, the Wampanoag, welcomed you, the white man, with open arms, little knowing that was the beginning of the end, that before 50 years were to pass, the Wampanoag would no longer be a free people. And lastly, history wants us to believe that the Indian was a savage, illiterate, and civilized animal, a history that was written by an organized, disciplined people to expose us as an unorganized and undisciplined entity. Two distinctly different cultures met. One thought they must control life. The other believed life was to be enjoyed because nature decreed it. Let's remember, the Indian is and was just as human as the white man. I don't know about you guys, but nothing there is inflammatory. Um, no, it's, just, it's just amazing how much the truth offends people. It's, it's the entire, I highly recommend looking up this speech. Um, it's really, it even today, it's still, like, the more things change, the more they say the same, I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. it's true. The pilgrims, they literally, they parked at Provincetown. They said, oh, we should probably take corn. Oh, we see corn. And they took as much as they could carry. They admit to it. They we're going to quote unquote pay them back. That never happened. But it didn't even <laughs> take a minute to look around and see if anyone else was there. Anyway, for days about the complete nonsense. Um, but that's what it says. Anybody? have questions i know we probably have a lot to say about the national day of mourning but just in general traditionally when we talk about new england it's very religious what was the religious tone they came to thanksgiving at least from what you've seen in your research it was it was a harvest festival. So while they were, you know, praising God, um, you know, in Mort's relations, he says that the um, harvest was by the goodness of God. It was more of a celebrate. It was common in England back then. Uh, once you got your harvest in, you would celebrate. You would eat. You would play games. You would take a moment to kind of, not relax, but unwind a little bit. So there's no <laughs> Macy's Day Parade or football? What? Yeah, I you know. mean the, the pilgrims weren't rooting for the Patriots? Be like, why are you so, why are you doing that? What is going on? The Native people would have been Maybe not really football, but more like rugby and wrestling and lacrosse. They were super familiar with that. They invented the games. Nice. Maybe they would have done that. Um, they did it. Sometimes they would do that in place of, you know, full-out war. Like when kind of like if talking wasn't doing anything, they would do that. Because you're not actually really harming anybody. And... You know, they saw, like, they're like, well, we 
don't agree with you, but we're still like one Wampanoag people or whatever. Um, this is at least true in this area. I'm not sure about other areas, but they would play what we know now as games to kind of sell the score so that it doesn't escalate. Fun fact. That's super interesting. When the pilgrims came, they're like, let's just decapitate people and put their heads on pikes. We're like, what? We're the savage people? All right. <laughs> oh, that's that's a wormhole you can go down for uh, <laughs> a long time. That's a can of worms that we're not going to open this episode. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that'll that come in future episodes, trust me, because I can think of a couple of things that I want to talk about that, hmm, that we're going to hear gonna that That's going to be a future again. episode, and that's a threat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but how did this might be a stupid question, but I I'm always very interested in the native aspect of these conversations because it was something I never got growing up, or it's I always heard the pilgrims account of anything. I never heard the indigenous account. I don't know if it's because my teachers growing up in school didn't have access to that information or that's not where their brain was. I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not taking it out on them, but like when the natives, when the native Americans were invited to this harvest festival, what were they thinking? Were they leery? I don't know if you can answer that. Oh, well, I can answer to the point where they weren't really invited. Um, <laughs> The this was the time of year that, um, as far as I know, the Wampanoag people, the Sachem, so Massasoit, would go to their allies and kind of you know check in, see how everything's doing. Um, so they were just kind of in the neighborhood. Wampanoag people also seem to have a different definitions of, I guess, not hospitality. Um, but the colonists often talk about how um, the Wampanoag people would just kind of show up. Be like, mm. oh, you're going to feed me now. Or, hey, I'm going to hang out with you. Or, hey, can I spend the night? Um, which I believe happened to Squanto to the point where they were like, are you going to leave or not? Nah? Um so it was yeah. one of those things that, it's like, you know, even different cultures today, whether or not it's rude to, like, if you, they see you as, like, overstaying your welcome, it's like, no, don't leave. What did I do? Um, so the Wampanoag people were just kind of there. They just kind of showed up, and they were like, oh, you guys are partying? Hold on. And then they killed some beer for them, and then they continued to... Maybe they played with their bows and arrows. Uh, maybe they, sh like, tried out the guns that the English people had. Maybe they had some sort of, I don't know. But, yeah, they were, they were just kind of there. They were probably like, oh, we get this. They had their different festivals. Um, they would celebrate oh, yeah. harvest. They would celebrate um, green corn, which is when maize corn is soft enough to eat off the cob. Um, I do a few things. So basically, it was kind of like a happy accident. Yes. 
Okay. And I know, didn't the original Thanksgiving or Harvest Festival, it lasted for a couple of days, didn't it? Yes, it lasted for three days, I believe. Yes, um, for three days we entertained and feasted. Yes. Maria. Hmm. The reason why I don't hear about the other person's perspective is because that's communist and socialist and will not be tolerated in U.S. classrooms. Oh, here we go. Again, <laughs> we will get there. <laughs> You're really I just, foreshadowing. I just, I just had to get that out of my system. I just had to say it. I'm sorry. Oh, you're right, though. It, 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 you know what? This is something that... I don't know if this is neither here nor there, but I, I don't... You know, not to burst anyone's bubble, I don't consider myself a communist, and I don't ever see myself being a communist, but as someone who strives to be a good historian... I don't understand how making only one side of the story or one side of an event the only account. I don't understand how that's communist or, or I don't understand how that was called for because I feel like part of my natural curiosity when it comes to studying history is that this whatever happened, whatever you're studying, affected multiple people and it, it always, you know, it's kind of like the ripple effect. It always grows out bigger and bigger and bigger. But, yeah, the, we'll, we'll get to that. Remember how we said we, this was not going to be a controversial podcast? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's no we, nuance November. We can say whatever we want. I know. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. No, I just, yeah. Like, that's, I don't know. I just, uh, to me, that's always seemed like... A, a no-brainer. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm soft. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. I just, I, I, I like I said, I, I don't understand how people can only say that because one person saw it this way that it's the only truth. People who believe that, uh, call in. Yeah, fast. Me, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm always open to hearing different opinions. That doesn't mean I'll. Take it or I'll like it, <laughs> but I'll hear you out. Good to know. The uh, that's what I'm getting. That's what I'm getting at. And did you run into and always found to be fascinating? And I'm in. I try to be as respectful as I can, but I'm also like extremely enthusiastic about it from a good point. Like I think it's great that people do do things their own way. I think it's something to be celebrated. Well, during the, the 1960s, there was a major uh, Native American social movement to bring um, Native American issues to the forefront in the United States and um, to kind of get people back in touch with their culture. I researching for, for a class and from another book I read, and it's like, wow, I I never – I knew all the things that have happened to Native Americans in this in the United States, um, but the fact that they have to have a social movement to gain the recognition that should have already been established in this country is sad, but also remarkable that that they want to spread their culture that far and to have 
other people respect and lo- respect and love it as much as they do. Agreed. And I mean, don't hound indigenous people on the street, but um, no, if you do go to. If you do go to museums, um, like the National Museum of the American Indian, um, or things like uh, Plymouth Plantation, or the Pequot Museum, especially the Pequot Museum, if you do go there and you meet indigenous people, I mean, show how much you respect and want to learn from them. I mean, there's nothing better than learning from people that are living it. You're not going to learn about indigenous issues by reading in the book. I mean, it helps, but depending on who's writing it, I mean, it's long quoted is like history was written by the victors. There's some really good, um, I was going to say there's really good um, indigenous literature out there. They're really making Especially because it's Plymouth 400, Mayflower 400 and stuff. They're really getting a voice that I feel like they have been, well, have been silenced for so long. To, to, to piggyback off something that you said, it's funny. I was actually thinking about this uh, not too long ago because I was having a conversation with somebody else uh, about a topic similar to this. That that quote that you said that history is written by the victor, I feel like that used to be true, but I feel like now, as far as historians go and in our profession or in our professional field, we're starting to have more of a diverse resource pool because the, that that rhetoric of history is told by the winner is starting to get old and or you know, it's starting to get old or social movements have kind of, not kind of, social movements have highlighted that idea of like, like I said, like, oh, this event happened for this person this way. Yes, but somebody else from a different side of the perspective witnessed this event too and went through it and you can't deny their truth. So I think today Mm -hmm. we're starting to see more of diverse resources uh, both primary and secondary, and I feel like that's that only enriches our knowledge of an event or a time period. But, I agree. But not only that, I mean the the victor's point of view is too clean, it's too polished, it's too beautiful, mm-hmm. and that's Boring. not and that's not what even life is about. Life is it's dirty, it can be disgusting, and it's it's filled with heartaches. And seeing the other point of view is critical and knowing the whole, you know, it goes back to what we were saying, seeing the whole picture. Um, mm. Yeah, they're saying this, but what happens because of, because of what they're saying is so great. Okay, what's happening now? Or, yeah, they said this, but from our experience and from what we've seen and what, you know, our demographics show – that's not actually the real picture. So then it becomes like, okay, now there's actual a balance in the viewpoint. And from there you get the actual picture. Mm. It's usually, mm. it's usually a blend between the two. That's where the, the real picture usually lies. 
Plus, okay, I'm going to say it. If I have to read one more historical account from an old white guy that is just talking about his God-given right to, like, be a gross man, I'm going to puke. I'm done. I've had enough. <laughs> There's plenty of those. There'll be much more to come. So, Lauren, has there been any, since, I know there's not, there's, we have very few primary sources, has, it, has there been any new research or anything into Thanksgiving, or is the field pretty much uh, stagnated? The first Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, the thing that I read at the beginning from Mort's Relations is the only account that we know about this harvest festival that's now the first Thanksgiving. Um, well, archaeology is constantly being done at the site of Plymouth Colony, um, or as much as can be done. Half of Plymouth Colony is now downtown Plymouth, but, I mean, like, there's more interest, like, this is gonna sound mean to Thanksgiving, but there's more interesting things in the world than a bunch of guys and a bunch of, you know, native guys just eating deer and shooting guns. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, as far as I know, there's not really much research. If anything, it's people just kind of awakening to the fact that it wasn't what it's all talked up to be. If that makes sense. In my humble opinion. <laughs> Swinging up, uh, picking up on something else that you had said, um, when... I believe, let me, when Sarah Hale, uh, I couldn't think of her name, uh, when Sarah Hale uh, was putting the idea forth to President Lincoln about th making Thanksgiving a national holiday, was, do we know what his initial reaction to that was, if it was enthusiastic, or um, was he like, no, forget it? I mean... <sighs> Um, I'm sure he was like, there's kind of a war going on. <laughs> there's, like, other things going on right now besides eating turkey. Um, you know the country was enthusiastic when it celebrated its first Thanksgiving? Yeah. Uh, Thanksgiving, especially around here, was already kind of a thing. It just okay. wasn't um, a national holiday. So even... Dramatic effect. About, oh, I guess a little bit less than 10 years um, before it became a national holiday. Like 30 states in US territories already had it as a state holiday. Oh. So it was already a thing. It was okay. just kind of like doing the stamp of approval saying, yep, you guys get the day off. Because before then, the only national holidays, I believe, were Washington's birthday and the 4th of July. Wow. Okay. Because the other major holidays, like Memorial Day, Veterans Day, and all that, come much later due to other historical events. Mm hmm Speak the truth. Uh, all right how how about today does um does plymouth plantation or the town of plymouth do they do anything special 
to celebrate Thanksgiving? The, well, not this year, but the Saturday, typically the Saturday before Thanksgiving, they have a huge parade. Okay. Huge. Um, you can, like, literally, you can't walk downtown. Um, it's called Water Street. It's right, it's along the water. And there's just people all over, um, I think I mentioned already, Coles Hill. Uh, all over the streets. People come from all over the country because Plymouth Salem is giving town. So um, it's basically what Salem is for Halloween. Yes. So they have a huge parade. Uh, all of the you know, different shops. There's one store that has like Thanksgiving egg rolls. Delish. Um, people have like the pilgrim sandwich and it's just like leftover like turkey and stuff. Like what you typically have the day after Thanksgiving. Um, the Plymouth Plantation does like eat like a pilgrim. So they give you like pilgrim-esque food or Wampanoag-esque food. And then they have pilgrims that you can talk to and that kind of stuff. Hmm. They're open. They're going to be open. Um, and you can just like it's... Called it's an all hands on deck day, so that we're gonna walk into the like a 1627 village and it's gonna be as if you went back in time because there's gonna be people everywhere. I mean, it's a fun time, it's kind of a solemn thing because at least everyone that is involved knows of the, I guess, more ugly side. Let me ask you another question, kind of straying from our topic of Thanksgiving. Uh, we, because in the last episode, we stopped at this point and we all talk about how it gets ugly. But for those people out there who might not be as knowledgeable in history, I mean, you don't have to be a history expert to guess where the narrative goes, but, uh, what exactly happens or, you know, what what's like the nutshell version of what happens after this as time progresses forward? So the first generation, I mean, not terrible, not perfect. They had their moments, but typically they got along. It was the second generation that things started to fall apart. Um, by that, I mean... Um, there were more English people coming in, uh, spreading into what are now the suburbs of Boston, Boston itself, up to Salem, Rhode Island. There were the Dutch in New York. There were people everywhere. They were running out of land. And, of course, uh, they were going to try to buy the land from the native people. Not fair trade, of course. Um, and the Wampanoag people, they were, you know, selling their land, trying to keep their culture, but skirmishes were happening, unrest was growing, and, uh, by 1675, um, a little bit over 50 years after the Mayflower landed, King Philip's War breaks out between New England colonists and the indigenous people of New England. That 
results in the total massacre of uh, Native land, Native culture, Native lives in the New England area. Um, it actually, fun fact, King Philip's actual name was Metacomet or Metacom. He was the son of Massasoit, who was the sachem when the pilgrims first arrived in Plymouth. Massasoit, when he was sick, I think I mentioned this in the first episode, he got treated by Edward Winslow, who was one of um, the pilgrims. They ended up being pretty close because of that. I wouldn't really call it friends. Maybe they would have, but I don't really know. Ironically, Edward Winslow goes on to have a son as well named Josiah. When during King Philip's War, um, Winslow, who was governor at the time, actually, I believe he was the one to kill King Philip. Mm. If not him, he kept um, Metacomet's head on a spike outside the fort of Plymouth Colony for way too many years. <laughs> Charming. So it's so interesting to see that these two men who seemed to be pretty, some might say friends, Edward Winslow really helped Massasoit um, get back to health and thus solidifying what could have been a very good alliance between the two places and their kids end up going to war with each other. And um, Josiah Winslow not only has Metacomet's head on Spike, he sells Metacomet's family and, well, wife and children into slavery to the Spanish. What a great guy. Wasn't it smallpox that had broken out, or am I am I making that up? We're not sure. Maybe. Okay. Just why I say work all the time. We're not sure. Well, I mean, there's always a influx of disease from both sides because, I mean, think about it. What Europeans are bringing or are used to due to their environmental standpoint, uh, their environment, uh, from the livestock they have, has different zoonotic diseases than what would have been on the continent of North America. So whatever diseases the Europeans brought with them, it would have had dramatic effect no matter what. Like even the brain busting moment, even the flu, if it's the wrong type of flu, would have been devastating to Native culture Native American people because their immune system's not built for it. Just like whatever the Native Americans had for diseases would have been devastating to Europeans because the Europeans antibodies and um, autoimmune system would not be equipped for that. So, whatever the Europeans had would have probably would have most likely gone over to the natives, Native American side, and would have been devastating, just like it is with everyone else. Because mm, diseases that's... are not fun whatsoever. But no matter what a certain leader may say. <laughs> 
Well, that's what that's what won Cortez. Not to really like jump around, but that's what won Cortez to notch to Talon. Mm. But that's different. Make a long story short, things went downhill real quick, and they stayed low for basically what three hundred and fifty years, four hundred years, depends on who you ask. to be cynical or anything but <laughs> no yeah because that's the thing like once by the time king kings excuse me by the time king philip's war happens the situation for the native americans has already gotten so bad and that's right almost at the beginning of the 1700s so and it, by that point things have progress so far like you said more and more people are here so this the situation and the land infrastructure and settlements have completely progressed so much in 50 years that it's a completely different situation yeah a lot of people see king philip's war as a last ditch effort by the wampanoag people um other see it as them saying you know what it's now or never I should have been the name of this podcast. This this episode took a very different turn than what I thought. So this episode is brought to you by Chinese food and caffeine. <laughs> and Captain Morgan. Uh, <laughs> I got bubbly. That's what I'm drinking. Pineapple bubbly. They meant champagne. I was like, what? This episode is called Operation thanksgiving and they hate the bureaucracy <laughs> i don't hate the bureaucracy like like i said i just okay. i just sometimes i just don't understand how only one side of something is okay just to... people barely know about king philip's wars even in valid massachusetts which is where most of mm. it not most of it almost all of it took place what you said is what I know of it. Like, I don't know any, and, and, and it's just because I haven't gotten around to it. It's for no other reason. Um, Talk about it. Add to the list. I don't, yeah. They oh, all, I would love to. They all that for a different episode. <laughs> this really did. Any final thoughts? It's just interesting on how this big grand holiday all the mythos. Dude, we're going to go down rabbit hole. Um, all the mythos and everything that go along with Thanksgiving is what's portrayed in how the American identity of Thanksgiving is centered around a paragraph. It just... I'm not Pretty shocked. words, I think. I'm not shocked, but I'm shocked that we hung up that Society's hung on to a paragraph for 400 years, and yet the people who, descendants of the people who were there from one side of the argument has not been really heard of, heard from, or accepted until the 60s and 70s, and even today. So it's just, it, 
I shouldn't be shocked, but I am still shocked. Mm -hmm. Dave said it pretty eloquently. Um, I don't have much to add to that. Uh, the only thing I would add is, uh, we'll not really add a question. So we 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 went down a a lot of rabbit holes, and we we kind of went on a lot of tangents. Uh, we we talked a lot about the negative, but unfortunately, the negative is more so the truth. I feel like it's the whole truth, and, and like you said, society or particularly American culture and American identity has gotten hung up on that one paragraph. Is there anything positive? Because we've definitely highlighted a lot of negative, but unfortunately, that's the truth, even if you don't like it. Is there anything we could leave someone with that's maybe close to that rosy picture that people hold on to? Well, I mean, sure. If we look at it, I mean, all of the nasty, ugly stuff. I mean, it was still happening in like Thanksgiving time, 1621. But just think, 150 people, most of them are Wampanoag natives. They came together for three days of just eating and coming together and just celebrating their, quote, fruit of their labors. Like, it, I mean, just think about it's how kind of it's kind of like the Christmas truce. It, it, you know, there's it's humanity at its highest and its lowest point at the same time. Like, I mean, some of them probably, maybe they didn't even understand each other. I mean, it's just a story like that has so much, like, truce, trials, and tribulations. But in this one paragraph, at least according um, to Mort's relation, they just had a moment. They said, oh, you have the ducks? Okay, we'll bring the deer. Let's hang out. Really cool. And so, drink beer. Joking. Well, they probably <laughs> did have something. Yeah, they probably had something. Um, so, so there is a little bit of that rosiness that America, you know, tends to latch on to. But I think the sad part is it, it gets overshrouded in the before and the after. Right. Yeah, you kind of have to see the whole picture. It's almost like looking at, I don't know, Thomas Jefferson. He was this amazing person, but he owned slaves. He said, um, all men are created equal. Well, he owned slaves. We have to see both sides of the picture. And mm. pilgrims had their moments, though, of... Like Edward Winslow, like helping Massasoit when they thought he was on, he was going to die. They thought it was his deathbed. Um, but then, you know, their children, their sons, really, or I guess Edward Winslow's son being such a different character, like you kind of have to look at both sides of the coin. Um, and like I said, I mean, I really do recommend going to Plymouth Plantation or the Pequot Museum. Um, if you go to Plymouth, oh, I was just gonna say, where is the Pequot Museum? Just for the people who don't museum know. is in it's in Connecticut. Very cool. It's in Lead Yard. 
Um, like, go talk to Native people. Go hear their stories. Go hear what they want to tell you. They want to tell you. People want to understand. Like, just like having a little bit of understanding goes such a long way. Mm hmm My opinion, anyway. It's, it, no, it's, it's not. It's, it's a great thing. I think it's important for people to do, especially nowadays, is to see the other side and to be educated from a different point of view in order to break down the polarity of everything. To break down sort of the the hyper nets uh, the hyper intensity of things, and actually just get down and at the end of the day realize that you know we're all human, you know, and a point I kind of want to circle back to that the original Thanksgiving is based off a paragraph, but that means it's more important for the person experienced it to make their own positive memories out of it and they make their own positive experience out of it whatever that may be um you know as her as long as you're not hurting other people in the process but um as long as you're surrounded by other people giving you that good energy and giving you that those good vibes um that's what thanksgiving's all about and being with them very yeah. well said that's all the alcohol talking that's not that's not straight david <laughs> That's all that matters. That's all there is to it, bro. Yeah, but that's a very that's a very you thing. You you don't give yourself enough credit. Eh, depends on the day and the mood. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into this month's episode, Operation Thanksgiving. We appreciate all of you who watch us, and we will be back in December where Maria is going to be talking about. Christmas truce. Yep, you probably sure. guessed it by now because we brought it up a lot. But <laughs> it's okay. Um, if you enjoy listening to Maria and you just can't wait for December, check out her and our friend Kelly on their podcast called It's a Fan's World, where the two of them discuss all things from their favorite pop culture fandoms, such as Marvel, Star Wars, and of course, Disney. In this month's up. In this month's episode, they welcome Dave. Yes, this Dave. And they discussed Hi. all things Captain America. Here's Operation History, we know that this time of year, there are many different cultures and religions that are celebrating different holidays with different traditions all over the world. So we just want to wish everyone happy holidays. Whether you're in America celebrating Thanksgiving, or you are elsewhere celebrating Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, or any other holiday. We wish you a safe, joyful, and peaceful holiday. Please stay safe out there. You know how hard it is to have holidays with everything that's going on. But please stay safe. As always, please download, rate, review, and subscribe to Operation History on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's as quick. <laughs> wow. It's an easy and quick way for you to show your love and support the show because we love and support you. Give us a like on our Facebook page, Operation History on Facebook. You can reach out to us on our Twitter at Operation Hist. That's Operation H I S T. Or you can email us at our Gmail, 
operationhistorypodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to ask us any questions you have about the show or any previous episodes. Or about something that you heard on this show. If you want to tell us a story, just say hi or suggest a potential topic. Please let us know. We haven't gotten our first um, email yet from anything but ads, so please hang out with us. This has been Operation History. Once again, I'm Lauren. I'm Maria. I'm David. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. association with any of the institutions or organizations mentioned in this podcast. The views and expressions of the hosts and guests are theirs and theirs alone and do not represent any academic institutions, organizations, or companies that they currently work for or attend or that they have previously worked for or attended in the past. Thanks for listening and tune in next time for Operation History. Centered. No one has to go to the bathroom. We're all good. I mean, okay. I do, but at this point, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, all right, sixteen twenty. Anyway, um, eighteen fifty. Nice try. Oh, there we go. See, I'm not even. That's no, right. We were talking circle. about. Yeah, come full circle. <laughs> Bring Captain Morgan and drink it with Coke.